So tonight we're going to start the newest uh, semester at Alive, and that means we have a new theme. And we decided that the theme for this semester is going to be how to live a supernatural lifestyle, or like how to live like Jesus did, and how to do what he did. So tonight I wanted to talk about peace, because without peace, it is very difficult to maintain a supernatural lifestyle. And first I just want to tell all of you that fear is a very real thing. Uh, I used to be a worship pastor at my last job, and I would play the song Stand In Your Love a bunch. And the chorus goes, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. And people, there's a couple like church Karens that would get upset with me because they didn't like that it said my fear. You know, like my fear doesn't stand a chance that I was acknowledging that people have fear. And I didn't like that because I knew that fear was a very real thing. And fear is always at the door and it is always knocking but it's about what we decide to do with it. Often, fear will knock on our door, and you know we'll freak out and we'll let it in, but we need to learn how to deny the enemy's influence so that when the enemy comes knocking on our door, we can open it and just say, oh, it's you, and shut the door and walk away. And the way that we do that is through peace. See, the church has always taught that the devil is the tormentor, but... I believe that the church has been believing a lie because a Christian that can stay in peace during crisis is actually a Christian that has the ability to torment the devil. So he's not the tormentor, you should be, and you should be tormenting him because an enemy cannot handle a believer that can stay in peace. And I think that a lot of people misunderstand peace. You know, they think peace is sitting around a campfire with friends, uh, you might think peace is going for a walk alone, listening to music. Or if you're like me, you might think peace is just binge-watching Yellowstone all day. But peace in a biblical sense is actually militant. Peace is aggressive. And peace in the Bible is, in the, word shalom, is the word shalom. And if you look up what this means, you'll find it means like peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness. And those are the definitions, but I believe that there is something a little more going on here. Uh, so, yeah, she brought up the picture. So this is, these are the symbols that make up the word shalom, and I believe there's a prophetic me meaning here. So I'm going to pull an old put Putty Putman and use my laser pointer, those of you that know him. <laughs> so we have one symbol, two, three, and four. And we read Hebrew from right to left. So ancient people use the first symbol here, uh, that's the symbol for teeth, and it means to crush or destroy. Uh, the second symbol is the word authority, or sorry, no, it is, it's an iron nail or a hook, and it, that's not right either. It's a shepherd's staff, <laughs> and it means authority. The third one is an iron nail or a hook, and it means connected with. And the fourth one uh, is water, and does anybody know what water means? The ancient people, chaos. So you have destroy authority connected with chaos. So shalom destroys authority connected with chaos, but shalom comes from the Holy Spirit. So if you like kind of put it into a modern translation, you could say the Holy Spirit, or shalom is the spirit that destroys chaos, or the spirit that destroys false authority. 
And if you're like me, you're wondering if that works with every Hebrew word. No, it does not. I think it's a pretty rare occasion that that works. <laughs> um, so this brings up the question, you know, what is sickness? It's a type of false authority in the body. When you recognize that you have the Prince of Peace inside of you, you can actually put your hands on somebody and see that chaos in their life destroyed if you carry the shalom of Jesus. And guys, when I realized this, it completely changed my life. If you have the Holy Spirit, then you have the Prince of Peace, whether you know it or not. And if we are truly aware of the Prince of Peace that lives inside us, then we shouldn't have a hurricane. We shouldn't have like chaos going on inside of us. We should have peace if we have the Prince of Peace. Uh, peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. Peace with the Lord is not something you have to try and get. If you're saved, you already have it. And Philippians 4, 6 through 7 tells us that you are already at peace with God. And if you don't understand that you are already at peace with God, then your internal reality will never match your external reality. And you will never live out of that place of rest. When you are completely aware of the Prince of Peace within you, then you can actually shift the atmosphere around you. See, Jesus says on many occasions, my peace I give unto you. But how many of you know that you can't give away something that you don't know that you have? And Jesus knew what he carried, so he could give it away freely. And if you want to be able to give others peace, just like Jesus did, you need to become aware that you carry it. So what about peace in the storms of life? Have any of you been through any storms? Maybe you're going through a storm right now. I've been through a lot of storms, and I really wish that I realized what I carried and what it means to carry the Prince of Peace. And what's crazy is the disciples didn't even realize that they were with the Prince of Peace. Like they knew that he was, but they didn't realize what that meant for them. They lived with Jesus, but many times their internal reality did not match their external circumstances. Uh, so let's, we're going to read Mark 4, 35 through 41. And this is the episode in the Bible where Jesus calms the storm. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? But when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. So I want you to picture this episode here. So Jesus and the disciples are out on the boat when a storm comes. The waves are smashing into the boat. There's water pouring over the side. It's probably loud. There's probably thunder and lightning. Water's getting inside. The disciples are getting thrown around the boat. You know, they're freaking out because they lost their peace. And where is Jesus? He's asleep in the back of the boat. <laughs> and 
Yeah, so just like picture Jesus. He's just sleeping there with his blanket pulled up, soaking wet. He's just sound asleep. Like, it's kind of hilarious if you think about it. But you will only have authority in the storm that you can sleep in. You know, the disciples were like, we're going to die. And I can just imagine them arguing, you know, like, John's probably freaking out at Peter, like, did you get the life jackets? And Peter's like, I told you to grab them. And he's like, oh, now we're all going to die. And look at Jesus. He's asleep in the corner. We should probably wake him up. Someone go wake him up. And when Jesus wakes up, if you look at his response, he doesn't say, oh, my gosh, this is the end. We're all going to die. If you had waken me up 30 minutes earlier, then I probably could have done something, but better get our life jackets on. Peter forgot them. (laughs) He doesn't lose his peace, though. Did you notice that? It says he rebuked the storm, and then he said, peace. And I know what it's like to lose peace in your storm. Uh, If you don't know my brother, uh, his name is Ethan. He played drums last Sunday, I think. He led worship the week before. If you don't know him, it's the guy walking around here that looks just like me. But um, if you don't know, a couple, in 2015, I believe, he was diagnosed with cancer. And I found out in a very unique way. So I was a senior in high school, and I was doing a radiology internship for one of my classes. And I walked in, and my supervisor was like, you're going to go sit with the radiologist today, because I could go to like nuclear med or x-ray or anywhere there. And I always like sitting with the radiologist, because I learn the most. And that day, I go and sit with one of them, and he's reading through the scans, and I knew that my brother was going in to have a scan of his knee for a sports injury. And he pulled up a scan and read it for the first time, and I heard the words mass. Like, you know, I've I've seen it before. I've seen masses before on um, x-rays and MRIs, so I knew what it was but it wasn't processing when I saw his name and then I saw what I was seeing. And I heard the radiologist say things like mass, osteosarcoma, um, you know, all these medical terms and I had no idea what he was talking about. And then I just remember the radiologist said, yeah, this kid's gonna have a really tough road ahead of him. And I was just, nothing was processing in my mind, like, because I I just could not understand what was even going on. So then, after I was done in there, I went back to x-ray, and in this hospital, you just kind of stand in a room until a patient comes. So I was on my phone looking up all these words that I heard, and I typed in, like, osteosarcoma, and it was, like, common, uh, you commonly find this in younger kids, Uh, you'll find it from, like, sports injuries is how they diagnose it, and I was just, like, all these thoughts were going through my head. I was just, like, like, what? <laughs> you know, I just couldn't believe it. So I just decided to leave. I didn't tell my supervisor. I didn't tell anybody. I just walked out. And I walked out of the hospital. And you know who was waiting in my car? Fear. The tormentor himself. Who remember from, sorry. <laughs> who remember from earlier is actually the tormented. So I get in my car, and I immediately begin being tormented. I'm getting thoughts like, this is the beginning of the end. He's going to die. Think about all the pain he's going to have to go through. 
And this is why Paul tells us that we have to take every thought captive. Do you know how horrible that drive home was? Because I decided to partner with the Prince of Fear. Another example that's a little lighter. Um, I'm absolutely terrified of the dentist. And every time I go, nothing bad always happens. I'm always fine, but like the weeks and the days leading up to it, I just get anxiety. It gives me anxiety right now just saying the word dentist. Like, I just started thinking of all these hypothetical scenarios, like I'm gonna have to get all these fillings or maybe even a root canal, but it never happens, you know? And I always leave afterwards. I'm like, that wasn't that bad. You know, I got my teeth clean, whatever. And I always just think like, why do I allow the enemy to get his way and cause these feelings? You know, the spirit of fear loves to take something small and create a crack in it and then go into that thought and say things like, you're gonna have to get some fillings. You're gonna have to get a root canal. You're gonna die in there. <laughs> you know, thoughts like that. But do you know how often we, or how, do you realize how often we partner with worry and fear? Most of the things that we worry about never happen and we allow our, our external reality to become our internal reality. In, this, in these situations, the Prince of Peace was there. I just didn't recognize him because I had this spirit of fear shouting in my ear all these things that are probably never going to happen. We must learn how to live out of that place of rest and peace so that when everything around me is going wrong, that external storm doesn't need to become my internal reality. So if you're in a house and it's storming outside and you go and open the window, what's going to happen? The rain's going to get in. The wind's going to come in. The storm's going to get in the house, right? But for the believer, you should be able to go and open up that window and your peace should go out and it should calm the storm. And see, this is the peace that Jesus walked in. He walked in such peace that he had the ability to speak to the atmosphere around him and it would shift. His external reality was not his internal reality. His external reality became his internal reality. And how often do we recognize that we carry that same peace? See, we have the answer. We have the cure for the chaos going on in this world, but many of us let the chaos of this world become a part of us, and we wonder why we don't have authority over it. We don't learn how to sleep in our storm. How aware are we of the indwelling presence of the Prince of Peace? And God wants us to do something with this shalom that we carry. So I had this thought, like, what is cancer? It's chaos in your cells. What is arthritis? It's chaos in your bones. What is asthma? It's chaos in your lungs and airways. What is autism? It's incorrect delta waves in the brain, so it's chaos in your brain. And I use that example because Bethel Church has a ministry centered around shalom, specifically for healing autism. They have a pastor there who like speaks shalom over people and he sees kids that are in like special needs class over like one to three months, they get out of those classes and they become like top of their class. It is just a crazy testimony going on down there. But all of these things are chaos in the body. And if shalom is the spirit that destroys chaos, then I'd like to suggest that shalom could be the answer to healing chronic illnesses. 
Like, why do we think healing something like cancer or diabetes is so hard? You know, we're not the ones doing it. God is. But if we're being honest, when someone comes up to us on the prayer line and they're like, I have stage four cancer. The doctor says I have a month to live. I need you to pray for me. I mean, if you're like me, your thought is probably going to be like, why couldn't you have went to Diane or Sam or Daniel? Like, and then when we do pray for them, we pray with such low confidence. You know, we don't believe that they're going to be healed right then and there. But then if someone comes up to you and they're like, I have a little pain in my finger. You're like, I got this. You know, Holy Spirit come. But why do we pray differently? Why do we have different levels of belief? Why do we have different levels of confidence when we carry that same shalom that Jesus carried? We need to become aware of that shalom that we carry. So we're going to look at one more passage here, and it's Mark 5, 25 uh, through 34. And this is the episode in the Bible of the woman with the issue of blood. Uh, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal for many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten even worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. So Jesus says to the woman with the issue of blood in verse 34, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. But how many of you know that English is not God's first language? So in Greek, this actually says go into peace. It doesn't say go in peace. It says go into peace. So like step into peace, right? And I believe that here Jesus is giving us a key to divine health. The key is that she wasn't in peace. And then he says to her, go into peace. Because the healing had already happened when she touched Jesus. And then he said, your faith has made you whole, go into peace. So maybe the key to divine health or maintaining your healing is walking in peace and not partnering with the opposite spirit. Uh, So my hope for you today is that you would just recognize that you carry the same shalom as Jesus, and all we have to do is become aware of that indwelling Prince of Peace. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. For more info, please follow us on social media at Alive Vineyard College or check out our website at thevineyardchurch.us slash alive.